You have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing Season 4 Horror. You have 18 new messages. Wednesday, the 22nd of February at 12:31 a.m. Hi, this is a message for Pippin Bar from David Walensky. It's your friend in the United States that uh, we alternate taking turns uh, picking video games and playing them together. And uh, anyway, uh, we've been doing a lot of horror games. It's uh, my turn to pick next as we're coming to the end of uh, picking horror games. Uh, I'm saving for close to last from me one I've always heard of and wanted to play. Uh, we just played a Capcom game. We're going to be doing another developed and published by a Capcom game. Uh, I'm selecting Sweet Home, which came out for the Famicom, the family computer, in Japan in 1989. And uh, I don't think it ever officially got a release in the West. So we're going to be playing a modified translation uh, that I think first got onto the internet in 2000. So I don't know too much about it. It's uh, based on the Japanese horror film of the same name, and it tells the story of a team of uh, five uh, filmmakers exploring an old mansion um, in search of some old precious frescoes that are hidden there. And then Wikipedia says, because uh, I've never played it, um, it says as they explore the mysterious mansion, they encounter hostile ghosts and other supernatural enemies. And what's really at the root of this for me is it gets into this trope I've been aware of for a long time with no clear smoking gun, which is uh, this specific genre of film and games that sort of became popular in the late 80s. And there's a definitely like a distinct... Japanese vein of it, which I wanted to dig into specifically, which is about, you know, a story where there's a group of people going to a house, each with some strong defining traitor ability, and they all sort of get slowly killed off. And I've had a lot of conversations with some friends lately about, like, well, what was the earliest example of this? You know, was it from Japan? Was it Blade Runner? Was it Dungeons and Dragons? Who planted it? who started it, who started running with it first, who perfected it, has it been perfected, has it just been forgotten. Um, so Sweet Home, I don't really know how obscure of a pick it is. I'm curious if you have any awareness of it. I think you're a much, I know you're a much bigger horror fan than I am. Uh, my perception is sort of like 99 of 100 gamers won't know it, but horror heads uh, totally will know it. And as I understand it, I think this game is uh, really where the seeds of survival horror um, in video games sort of come from. So, uh, yeah. Um, sorry I missed you. Good night. Wednesday, the 22nd of February at 2.34 p.m. Hiya, David. Pippin calling. Sweet home. Bit of a misnomer. The home is not that sweet in my experience uh, thus far, but you never know. Maybe things will improve. The first thing um, I do want to just flag up top is that we're dealing with a kind of double adaptation with this game, uh, most obviously because the game is an adaptation of the film of the same name, uh, which I haven't watched, uh, but I plan to watch uh, as I play the game. It might... Um, 
might help glue together some of the fractured feelings of the encounters uh, that we run into as we play. Uh, but also, as you said, the game was never officially released in English, and there are two different Japanese-English translations that one could play. Uh, there's one by Gaijin Productions and Suicidal Translations from 2000. That's the first one. And and I think that's sort of, you know, to the extent that this is possible, a sort of straightforward attempt to translate the script so that people could play the game at all. Uh, but then there's another translation from 2016 by The Siege and JMN uh, where there's an attempt to, I suppose, you know, improve on the original translation, uh, but The Siege also writes extensively online about their interest in finding a translation that helps to kind of tutorialize the game or make it more accessible for players who, uh, for instance, don't have access to the manual. So, you know, adaptation and translation of course, have a huge impact in that they draw on source material, uh, but inevitably change it. So that's, you know, it's something to keep an eye out for, and it's its impact on horror specifically. Um, it'll be easier once we've seen the movie, of course. Having started to play, um, the thing that stands out the most, I guess, is the degree to which this is a fairly traditional JRPG structure of mechanics that we're dealing with. And so, you know, we should focus our attention at least somewhat on how the JRPG genre relates or doesn't relate with horror and being scared. Uh, but notable things that have come up already, I guess, that I think could be connected are uh, the idea of random encounters that you see in JRPGs. So I've been <laughs> surprise attacked by maggots and an evil doll uh, in recent times. The idea of different attack strategies for different monsters, so you can attack in this game or you can pray at your enemies. Uh, praying seems to be extremely effective. Um, and then most especially, I think, the idea of having teams, because the game forces you to split your party into at least two separate groups that then follow each other around through the spaces, which is efficient for taking your team members around, but of course commits the ultimate horror movie no-no. You know, don't split up. Uh, how about you? Where are you at? Are you scared? How are your bodies? Thursday, the 23rd of February, at 12.07 a.m. My bodies are ready. For frescoes, that is. Uh, played a little bit today, and... Uh, I really have to see the movie, I think. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure I fully understand uh, the assortment of characters we have in the game. Uh, are they all filmmakers? One of them has a vacuum cleaner that seems to come in handy a lot when traversing a haunted mansion. Uh, there's also a nurse who can cure curses like nobody's business. Um, and I've seen two frescoes, one of which... Wouldn't you know it had to be vacuumed? So, uh, continue to make progress, although I'm a little confused if the goal of the game is to escape the mansion or to just take pictures of all the frescoes. You're not even removing them, um, which I sort of assumed was maybe the point from the summary. I'll have to watch the movie and understand the gap and then the gap from the gap from the gap from the various uh, translations. I should say we are both... 
uh, thanks to your your research, we are both playing a 2017, 2016 translation. Um, I may dip back to the 2000 completist that I sometimes am with this stuff. Um, and I think too, in the spirit of being a completist, it's worth cataloging a bit, like what separates this from sort of a quote-unquote standard Japanese role-playing game of the era, and also what in that category sort of separates it into a horror game, or at least, um, you know, what would be understood as a horror game um, in that day. Uh, there's a couple of interesting contrasts from today and just sort of against the stuff we've played. So one is horror things I've seen so far is it's a game where there's very limited resources and it's very important you allocate them. Like we just came from Resident Evil um, and here it's like you only get two, three slots per character um, for items and it's also very opaque item management here. Also, I think men can only pick up some items, women can only pick up others. It's not super clear. Um, and on top of the random encounters, there's also this way Sweet Home cues closer to the Dragon Quest approach uh, versus a Final Fantasy approach, which is it depicts things coming at you as the player uh, from a different perspective, a much bigger sort of portrait or fresco uh, orientation if you will, which is definitely, you know, scarier or more unnerving, although this game is itself not particularly scary, um, which is something I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but I think, like, what's clear, too, the bigger, scarier thing is that there's an expectation um, the game has that you're not going to make it through on your first attempt, which we'll talk about more, um, but I'll have to play more. Okay, bye. Thursday, the 23rd of February, at... 4.15 p.m. Hey, David. Must have missed you. Pepin here. Just wanting to say, yeah, I think the expectation that you're not going to make it uh, the first time, or the second time, or the third time, is pretty fair. The game world is very hostile. And just to draw a picture of it, I guess, uh, for us both to draw from, we're walking around the hallways of a house. Uh, it's a tile-based map. We're being randomly attacked by maggots, bats, ghosts, evil dolls, and more. And we're trying to escape because we got trapped in there, and we're taking photographs of frescoes because they give us hints uh, on how to escape. And generally speaking, too, we're moving around as a group of two or three people, as I said. We have to split up. And you march around in a kind of snake formation, fighting as one when the maggots come. And... Of course, this is all based on this movie, Sweet Home, which I've now been watching with Rila. We haven't quite finished it yet, but it does help to make a degree of sense of what's happening in the game. Uh, but before that, I, I wanted to flag that the film is produced by Juzo Itami, uh, who's one of my favorite directors. Uh, most fam famously, he directed Tempo Po, uh, but maybe more awesomely, he directed uh, Taxing Woman, Supermarket Woman, the Gentle Art of Japanese Extortion, and more, um, all of which uh, star Nobuko Miyamoto, uh, who was also in Sweet Home as Akiko, the sort of stalwart, sensible, and cool-headed um, <laughs> producer, I think, of the film crew. So I, I love the movie. And now we have a game of that movie, sort of. 
And in a way, I think what I'm interested in here is that it's a chance to observe the direct confrontation of cinematic and game languages, right? What does the game choose to pull from the movie? What does it leave behind? What gets transformed, uh, potentially beyond recognition? And I think that, that that'll be a really good well to draw from, uh, not least because I've done film adaptation stuff in my own work, uh, maybe most notably of The Shining, which is another horror movie, of course. So how does the game we see here draw from the film and how does it adapt it into game form and how does that impact its relationship uh, to horror in particular? And as a start, maybe, um, I found it so weird, I kept running into this enemy called Torso, literally half of a guy, and indeed, rest assured that there is a prominent severed human torso in the film as well. Um, but while it's kind of the premier scary moment in the film, I think, very gory and, and creepy, more of an inconvenience uh, in the game, right? More like, hey, let go of my ankle torso. Thursday, the 23rd of February at 8.16 p.m. Friday, the 24th of February, at 12.23 a.m. Hey, yeah, uh, sorry you missed me. Sort of a crazy day today. Um, watching the movie is high on my to-do list for this coming weekend. Uh, I also am going to be checking out... This is just a lot of homework for both of us, huh? Uh, I'm also going to be checking out another movie called Evil Dead Trap that came out the year before Sweet Home, the game and the movie, which came out in Japan, uh, which has a similar construction of a uh, TV film crew going out to film horrible, horrible things. Um, kind of want to just draw from both of them and try to understand, and I guess I should ask you, the resident game developer of the two of us, like, why is this a formula you know, that sort of lends itself to a game adaptation so well. Um, you know, whether it sort of uses uh, every piece of the formula or not. But, yeah, curious to hear that. Um, I don't know of the Akiko you speak of. The Akiko in my sweet home is the one who can heal. They have a first aid kit. Uh, I think? I don't know. Akiko died. Emmy died. Uh, let me take a quick look at my party here. Uh, Kazuo, Taguchi, and Asuka are all barely hanging in. But I have not, uh, done them. I have not done well by them. Uh, the, 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 so, like, where I'm at now with my playthroughs is just observing how Sweet Home really isn't a horror game at the start, but as you go on and start doing very poorly, it definitely is a horror game, um, kind of in the way that Dark Souls can be a scary game. And uh, half of it was just me maybe being careless in some instances, although probably a quarter of that, and the other three quarters was just very much clearly still getting a, a bead um sincerely not understanding like what to do with prayer in battles when should i be healing is it really worth sort of grinding up levels in this game um and uh 
you know, I like what I'm sort of being introspective on is like, I'm obviously not going to be making it here at this point. And there is a save function, um, which I guess you can save at any moment, which is sort of the opposite of how things in horror games are now, I think. Um, and it's just, it's planted questions in my head of like, well, is the point of a horror game to sort of win or to sort of white knuckle getting there? Like to me, it feels sort of dishonorable to abuse the, um, save feature. So then the question is like, how much good after bad do you throw, uh, when you know you're sort of screwed or as the player and to give yourself over to horror, like, do you go down, <laughs> do you go down with the ship? Um, I will. Friday. The 24th of February at 1.33 p.m. Hey, David. I finished watching the film last night and really enjoyed it. It's got some genuinely cool and creepy creature effect stuff at the end, which I won't, um, I won't spoil for you, but well worth watching. And so, you know, why is a haunted house exploration kind of ideal for games in some sense? I think it it may well boil down to the fact that so many games amount to navigating threatening spaces, right? And a haunted house is a kind of compelling version of that. It has a a flavor all its own compared to other versions like dungeons or battlefields or football fields, and you know some 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 kind of novelty with the concept of the threatening space is is useful. Diversif diversify the market, right? And I think one thing that house exploration does is it can uh, evoke that idea of domesticity in the context of horror, which makes it extra creepy, and which anatomy did so well when we played that, although I'm, um, I'm not so sure that Sweet Home is really going for that very much, and I don't even think that the movie did really either. Uh, the house was so abandoned, it wasn't, really, it wasn't really screaming here as a place that people used to live. Uh, so as I said before, I think one way to look at this game is as a mirror of the film and to try and see maybe where the design decisions took place, because it's a conversation between the, the film's presentation of the ideas and the way a game can present some of those same ideas or take them. And in this case, JRPGs in particular, since that's the underlying model that they adopted. So, for example, JRPGs have got weapons in them. Sweet Home uh, has a big axe in it. And therefore, the game says, let's have a big axe as a weapon. It's recognizable from the film, although it doesn't really serve the same purpose as it did in the film. Uh, likewise, in the film Sweet Home, I can confirm somebody does, in fact, almost fall through the floor at one point. <laughs> Thank goodness. And so the game has this possibility of falling through the floor quite often as one of the mechanics that, that threatens your characters. And... As I said last time as well, the film has this half of a guy in it, so the game uses half of a guy as one of your enemies, the infamous torso. Uh, but of course, in translating these things from the film to the game, things are being lost. Uh, so a fall through the floor becomes kind of commonplace when it's a thing that can just mechanically happen quite often in specific circumstances, instead of a thing that happens this one time in the movie and is therefore dramatic because it's a threat to one specific character. Uh, just once. And the half guy in the film, the torso, is actually desperately trying to get help from another character because he's suffering in agony, having been melted in half. Um, and she perhaps helpfully beats him to death with a wrench. Uh, but in the game, 
all you do really is fight the torso over and over again. He's just a specific sort of level of an enemy. And so again, a lot of that kind of pathos that I think is associated with with a lot of what happens in horror movies is is kind of lost through repetition. Um, so quite a lot is lost. So then what's gained? Like what are the horror affordances of a JRPG? Um, as you said, um, probably your party members dying one by one is a good one. That idea of irretrievable loss. Um, so how did you feel when your team was being killed off? Did you care at a human level? Were you, you know, were you like, Emmy? Uh, or was it more of a mechanical level where you were kind of inconvenienced by Emmy's death rather than uh, upset about it? Uh, my plan from here is I'm going to restart the game now that I know the movie uh, possibly well, and I'll, um, I'll be exploring some more of these correspondences, I think. Ta-ta for now. TTFN. Saturday. The 25th of February at 5.47 p.m. Hey, this is a message for Pippin Bar. This is David Walensky returning. And I have seen the movie. I've been playing the game. All that's left is to buy the t-shirt and uh, commit to some sort of new, sweet home-focused lifestyle. If it comes to that. If we can convince ourselves of that um before this tape inevitably runs out so uh let's see a lot of things to sort of connect dots here on to answer your first question uh when characters have been dying as they (laughs) continue to have um i as the player was sort of more mechanically frustrated with myself you know like damn it, I should have been more cautious. And then it's like, all right, well, let's soldier on and maybe get a sense of what's ahead and try to push through this weird fog of war in this game through these layers of different translations and trying to interpret, you know, is this what was originally intended and just sort of, you know, the general basics of any video game finding your way around. Uh, And then watching the movie, realizing three of these five characters are... Well, basically, after the movie is done, you assume they become a family. Uh, It recasts the game in a pretty different way, and I don't know if I just missed stuff in the onboarding process of the game, but I just didn't realize it. I mean, mainly it's just strange, like as you said, to see what was tweezed out of this movie and deemed to be important in the game. You know, like there's, (laughs) as you already said, there's the concept of a torso crawling, but it's been recontextualized here. And there's one time a giant pit falling through towards the end, and so this is just a common occurrence. And also it should be said, you know, there's the need to find a generator and other, I'm sure, uh, touchstones that we'll find as we go ahead. Also, I just want to say in the movie, I love how (laughs) bureaucrats are sort of the uh, ultimate villain of the movie because they sort of sacrifice this pesky group of people for possible tourism revenue, you know, to check out to see whether this house is actually haunted. Um, there's another sort of element of the game I wanted to specifically call out and give a nod to, which I think is pretty novel, and I don't know that I've seen it very often, is a sort of uh, piggybacking on your you-can-split-the-parties-apart, which is uh, in the heat of battle, you have the option to call out to the other party that's not with you, and then you can... Uh, make a mad dash to come save your other team. Uh, sometimes successful, sometimes not. I think it's a little time limited. Mainly, I just wanted to note that like 
the core of this game, again, it's this comedy horror thing. Like, it's basically about a group of people going to a location to view art. Uh, or another way to think about it is that this is an extremely cursed version of House Flipper. All right, bye. Saturday, the 25th of February at 10.12 p.m. House Flipper. Good one. More like House Flip Out, am I right? It's Pippin here. Hey, David. I'm glad that um, you pointed out the calling mechanic, especially. I think that idea of running off to save your friends in adversity is a really strong idea that the game system supports and that feels really true to you know a kind of horror moment that idea of people taking care of each other is big in horror movies a lot of the time and in a similar vein i wanted to stay with that example of falling through the floor because one of the things that can happen i think is really neat is if you're in a three-person team and the middle person falls through the floor um, you can end up in this situation where the person at the back of the team is stuck on the other side so when this happened to me, it was Akiko with her very important um, healing ability or healing item. And if you don't have another piece of wood to, to kind of rebridge the gap, then you actually have to leave the person stranded on the other side, right? Stranded and alone in a haunted house, while the other two people um, have to say, like, you know, we'll come back for you. We're just going to go and get another piece of wood. It'll be okay. And then, then the person who's stranded is like, don't leave me. I'm scared. And then the uh, the other people are like, don't worry, it's going to be okay, etc. Right? That's what would happen in the horror movie. And the game is really supporting that with its systems. Um, but in the game, it's very undramatic. The, the game doesn't really acknowledge the drama of that situation. It kind of falls through the cracks, so to speak. Um, and really, the characters are pretty undramatic throughout, right? If someone falls... Um, to save them, you just team up with them and say, shall we team up? And that's how you save them. So whose responsibility is the emotion in play? Should the game be working harder at making those moments land, or is it up to me? Sunday, the 26th of February, at 7.43 p.m. Monday. The 27th of February at 1.50 p.m. Hey, Pippin, it's David. Sorry I keep missing your calls, and sorry you keep missing mine. And I guess just to start with your last question, I think it's a two-way street as far as um, who should be doing more work here, right? Like, like we as game players should be probably have to meet games halfway um, with whatever it is they're trying to do. But at the same time, I think it's also reasonable to want the games to definitely be pulling their weight. You know, it can't be a, uh, a toxic relationship or one where one partner is doing most of the work, which is to say, I guess there's some certain emotional labor here we look for in any game that's slightly different in any horror game. And I want to get into that, um, but try to make it a little less abstract. Although, listen along as I'm sure I do the opposite. So I want to say as far as the team splitting off, like what that has taught to me is I have instituted Indiana Jones rules. Um, 
you know, you never leave a man behind. So <laughs> I've learned to not strand one group too far uh, from another. And as I'm sure I get deeper into the game still, this will be not possible, um, just as I'm sure requirements of progress will sort of block the ability to sort of keep each other close, keep your family tight, keep them nearby, hug your loved ones. Um, so as far as like how a game can make us care more, well, we get that these things on screen represent people, and we even have real people to associate them with here in Sweet Home, thanks to the movie. I mean, I think one thing I've been thinking about is the pacing in the movies versus the games, both Sweet Home and Evil Dead Trap, which as far as I know has no relation to the Evil Dead movies, but I could be wrong. I'm maybe wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. Um, they do this thing I don't really associate with movies of the 80s, which is that they set up the premise super fast. It gets these characters to this place where they obviously shouldn't be quickly, and they both zoom to where they want to be, and then they spend way too much time there. So does this mean necessarily out of the gate it's hard to extend certain sympathies as a player because we understand baked into the premise they're intruding, you know? Do these people not deserve our compassion because they're basically criminals? Um, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I definitely want to, like, recenter on the games, not just talk about the movies that may have inspired them. But I think all of this gets to something we have talked about and named explicitly a while back, which is how do, quote, better graphics, end quote, impact the scares? You know, it's the fact that it's pixel art here. Is it a vector on or a governor to, indeed, how many shits we give? Um, is it that, well, I don't even want to say that. I, I don't want to chart it as, like, better, worse graphics. It's different here. Like, in here it's, like, I guess more impressionable or, like, I guess the question is, how does the mental work of filling these pixels out as people blocking maybe other neural pathways? Um, one of my first impressions of Sweet Homes versus other games we've played is, boy, it's kind of madcap. You can just zoom around so fast. And obviously you get punished for it. You're not supposed to be just going around willy-nilly. Um, but, you know, we saw this in Anatomy. It didn't make it less scary, just made it weirder. So pixels, the fact that there's fewer of them here, how does that maybe affect it all. Any thoughts? Bye! Monday, the 27th of February, at 10.13pm. Hey David, just checking in this evening. It is I, Pippin Barr, player of Sweet Home. And I think you're right to point to the pixels, and clearly I think there's something about resolution you know the resolution of the game and whether it can be scary just purely in terms of whether it can trigger what i assume a kind of innate human senses of danger or senses of disgust uh senses of senses of fear that just kind of pop off in us when we see an image that looks like we should be afraid of it and i think pixel art struggles with that um there's just not enough information um a lot of the time but i think it's it's indicative of a larger thing about this game, and, and maybe some of this is tied up in its nature as a JRPG, that a lot of the experience is very, very small 
Um, it's out of necessity, I think. You know, this is a game from 1989 for the NES, and they didn't have a lot of memory to play with, but I think that one of the things that's leading to is that the contents of the game are quite terse. So, for example, uh, if you look at the writhing torso at the top of some stairs, which is which is itself, you know, a very low-resolution, single-tile image, the game tells you, quote, nothing. And presumably the reason for that is that they cannot afford to have textual descriptions of every object that you might look at, but it pulls you out of the idea that there's something to look at there, right? It's just irrelevant. And so a lot of the game is is about focusing on in on the things that are relevant, which is things like enemies uh, and frescoes, and very importantly, the tools, right? And the tools to the extent that I think that your team of people who are in the movie characters really are reduced to their tools more than anything else, right? Like, uh, there's the vacuum cleaner guy and the woman, actually, sorry, Asuka, and there's the medical person and there's the person with the lighter and so on. Uh, and this gets emphasized if you have them talk to each other, what they say uh, is their tool. So if you get Akiko to talk to somebody, she says, call if you need medical aid. Uh, and if you get Emmy to talk to somebody, she has the key. She says, call if you need to open a door. That's the extent of their communication with one another, uh, right? So it's almost like the game is symbolic um, it's of, what, of what's going on. And that's then reflected in the kind of abstraction that you necessarily get in low-resolution pixel art. Uh, so it kind of feels like it's gesturing or symbolizing the horror situation, but not really representing it uh, in a way that registers. Uh, and I don't know, is that a JRPG thing, do you think? A pixel thing? Something else? What do you reckon, buddy boy? Tuesday, the 28th of February, at 7.23 p.m. I think I mentioned at some point uh, in our simulator season, uh, I forget in what context, but bit about this article I always wanted to write that was specifically about this thing we've been discussing. And I think I maybe never got around to pitching it. Maybe I never did, because I maybe didn't feel qualified um, to speak to it. Because, you know, as we've been mentioning, um, I have not played a lot of horror stuff. Obviously, from the time where I had that idea to today with you, I've been playing a lot more horror stuff. Um, and I think like what really interested me was sort of the push for better graphics and the uncanny valley and how does that impact horror. And I don't think it's a binary. I think it's some sort of sliding thing. And I feel like less information should be scarier. And you're right to point out that it's a very claustrophobic game and it's very terse in many ways. It's just, Everything is everything is optimized, right? Uh, you know, you're and you're even like very physically encumbered as the characters. Like it goes beyond just uh, the graphics and the screen and everything. It goes with like what you can take with you. Um, of course, we're playing a translation. I'm wondering if you've poked at or compared it with the other translation that uh, we had discussed earlier. Um, but just to further speak to this whole 
it's in close quarters thing. Uh, I spent the better part of uh, my time playing uh, earlier this late afternoon trying to figure out how to drop a weapon and pick up a better one. And I'm pretty sure, though I haven't proved it, that some characters of some genders can only carry some weapons and others can't do others, but the language is so sparse. I can't figure out what's going on and why I can't just, like, remove an item. Uh, which is maybe a layer of hell, but not a type of horror. Uh, but a lot of the writing has stuck with me in this regard. Like, when you go to split the teams apart the way the characters talk to each other, which is like, should we team up? All right. Should we team up? Yeah, safety in numbers. We better split up from here. Okay. Uh, I haven't had a chance to check out the other translation, so I wonder how some of this plays better. But, I mean, what's your feeling on how the writing the way the characters speak um, impacts all this stuff that we've been talking about. Okay, bye. Wednesday, the 1st of March, at 10.50 a.m. Hey, David, I guess you're out exploring a haunted house somewhere. It's Pippin calling in response to your call, uh, where you responded to my call. And it's good to remind us of the other translation, because I went back and just looked at the start of it. This is the 2000 translation by Gaijin uh, et al. And it's different immediately, because it actually uses a different font for the text, and the font is a bit spookier. It's harder to read. It's sort of spooky cursive. And I think it being harder to read lends itself... Uh, to that ambiguity that we seem like we we find important in horror games being scary or at least uncertain. And I feel like the translation itself is more horror-friendly, more story-friendly, maybe. Um, so, for example, just as a one-off, in the 2000 translation, when you're about to um, really start exploring the house, Asuka says... Quote, I don't know what's happening, but let's stick together, end quote. Whereas in the 2016 translation by The Siege, uh, she says, quote, use the team command to group us together, end quote. Right? So those are radically different, and it probably means we played the wrong translation, uh, which is my bad. I assumed that the more recent translation would be better. Silly assumption. The old things are always the best. And it... It's a great point about translation in general here, right? Um, it seems like The Siege, who did the more recent translation, was really, really intent on making the game accessible and easier to play for people um, who might not have access to the manual in particular. And so they've kind of tutorialized some of the dialogue that might have been, in my opinion, better used for the kind of flavor of the horror. Um, so interesting and surprising. Beyond that, I also just wanted to say, um, it feels like a game that is, you know, it's not that ambiguous, because I think maybe the big ambiguity in the game is is represented by the random encounters with enemies, which should be scary, right? Because they just sort of pop out of nowhere, out of the carpet. <laughs> the maggots come out of the carpet and they attack you. But because it's just totally repetitive um, and it happens all the time, it becomes just a part of how you move around the world. Like, of course, some maggots will try and attack you. Of course, there's a torso. 
and you fight it, and then you move on. So they're inconvenient, uh, and they are threatening. They can kill off your party, but they're not surprising despite the fact that they're randomized. And so you become extremely familiar with them, you know, maggots, 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 maggots. You kind of know what you're doing. Um, and there are mysteries in the game, like working out how to kill maggots most effectively, how to navigate the dark. Uh, but generally speaking, you enter a zone of comfort with how to play the game very quickly, and it feels like it just doesn't change it up. And I think maybe, is it true that horror requires not knowing what's happening next? Wednesday, the 1st of March, at 2.52 p.m. Hey, Pippin's David. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know, maybe not a coincidence that as the tape begins to run out, your thoughts turn to the random encounter battles, because after just playing again for a while, including going back and contrasting, comparing with the earlier translation um you know whatever version of this game you wind up playing you spend a good deal of your time in combat um don't know the percentages of how it breaks down but it feels like you're equally uh facing random enemies as much as you are poking around in this i don't know if it's really that sweet of a home by the way but i don't know if we have time to get into that um, you know, you're sort of just winding your way around this big labyrinthine house, figuring out where to go, what is it you're supposed to do, what area leads to where, getting acclimated, trying to figure out, oh, well, this thing here, maybe I need to do this, and that opens up that, um, i.e. that weapon I was unable to pick up yesterday for close to an hour, Turns out it wasn't a weapon, it was an item you needed to pick up. And I guess I didn't realize they get picked up in different ways, or who knows. But it was a, it was a, um, a spear or something, a big, big weapon that was supposed to go to a suit of armor down the hall. Not that any of this was <laughs> at all clear or evident. So um, anyway, you know, there's a lot of trial and error. Uh, both just like navigating, I think, both halves of these games. But um, something that's important about the combat to mention is, you know, random battles are nothing new to this style of game. But there's a bit of long game versus short game strategy that you have to be mindful of. Because unlike in most role-playing games, there's no magical in you can find yourself uh, you can find for yourself to, you know, just revive every character, fully heal everyone. Um, you know, it makes the random battles pretty important because you have to be pretty uh, strategic and conservative uh, about the limited items you find that allow you to heal. Um, and so, I don't know, it's almost like the dominant word for Sweet Home is not necessarily horror, but maybe caution? Um but then I also, in a way, find myself sort of thoroughly charmed by uh, this game. What's the dominant mouthfeel you feel you're having uh, when it comes to playing this, Pippin? Wednesday, the 1st of March, at 2.56 p.m.
Wednesday, the 1st of March, at 3.26 p.m. David, sorry I missed you. Mouthfeel. I mean, it's hard to go past maggots. <laughs> because, you know, as a game, um, Sweet Home kind of fed on the corpse of the film Sweet Home and emerged as this wriggling mass of ideas that don't really resemble uh, the original. There's something new and weird. Uh, but also maggots in the sense of the way that the characters play out. Because you play this game, and there are all of these people, Emi, Kazuo, Akiko, Taguchi, Asuka. And I suppose in some sense you're all of them, because you can move all of them around and, and make them do stuff. But you also, I don't know, I, n I never felt like I was any of those people. Um, I felt more like I was their their manager, right? Telling them what to do and hoping they they do the best thing, sending in the person with the right skill and tool for the job, you know, send in the vacuum cleaner, send in the key, etc. And because it felt managerial, I didn't necessarily feel a strong attachment that you would need to feel threatened. Um, and I, it leads me to wonder, I guess, as we go forwards, this whole thing of creating horror around a group of people being tricky. And we saw one version of this with Mirror Layers, where there was that solidarity between players over its social network. We saw another version in Resident Evil 4, where we had us protecting a more vulnerable character. But in both of those cases, we were still a defined person in the world who could be harmed uh, or psyched out or, or whatever. Uh, but in Sweet Home, yeah, we've got this managerial situation. Um, but that makes me wonder whether there could be some kind of really specific managerial horror. You know? Makes me think of Carnival. Management. Thursday, the 2nd of March, at 3.43pm. <clears throat> well, we are running out of time talking horror. And something we keep talking about with this thing in horror is you and I keep saying it, you know, these games are just not punitive enough. And I don't think we mean difficulty, but I'm in the back of my mind still sort of pondering what else it could be. And it's true in Sweet Home, there's a big safety net, you know, like even if your groups can be split apart, like there's a big safety in numbers thing going on. And it occurred to me, you know, in combat, um, you know, i.e. when you face the biggest threats, as far as I know, you really only face one enemy at a time, which means, like, even if you're outmatched, the game sort of strings you along um, on this mix of hope and futility and, you know, of course, the knowledge that you can just try it again. And I've been doing just fine, keeping my two teams uh, pretty close to each other. But that feels like a pretty strong... Uh, you know, baked in counterbalance to like you ever sort of really feeling scared, which um, maybe speaks something to the way video games, even ones that are meant to be scary, sort of put you in this position where you can be sort of high functioning or like you can endure uh, however the stack, ugh, however the deck is stacked against you. Like, you know, you just, you learn to... Uh, you learn to adjust. End of messages. 
Thank you for calling Game Thing. For more information, please hang up and dial Game Thing. Dot life. Goodbye.